um, I want to say because really I when, usually be honest with you when I pick the thing I want to say everybody goes away mad and so <laughs> I'm not very good at that so I'll try to smile and maybe everybody can be happy when they leave <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about my life um, up up to this point, and I have a, I have five pages of outline that I'm trying to follow, and not and and do that in less than five hours, and and so um, hopefully I'll do a good job. Anyway, see I've already gotten off the paper, and so I'm in trouble. Um, I um I got saved when I was a little boy. I was about five years old when I gave my heart to the Lord, and um, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was um, about 11 years old or so, the best I can remember. Um, and it happened to me, I just had an encounter with the Lord wandering in the woods outside uh, my house. We grew up, I grew up out in the country and, and on a small farm, and there was just a lot of woods around, thousands of acres really that I had access to. And... and um, so I just hunted and fished and trapped and, and hung out with Jesus. And I did that really my whole life up until I graduated from high school. And I really didn't much care to leave there. Um, kind of aggravated my parents sometimes. And, and not even to go out to eat or anything. I just kind of wanted to stay out there outside of what we were doing in our involvement at the church that I was going to. But um, there were some definitive things that happened that formed me. You know, the things in our life, they form us. They form our identity. They form the way we relate to each other. They form the way we view God. And, um, you know, the, I, I have an amazing family. Both the, my own family, my wife and kids, and the family that I grew up in with my parents and my siblings. And uh, our family history is not marked by strife or... Um, we, we had plenty of struggles, but I just want to encourage you that if, um, if your family history is less than uh, positive in your heart and your emotions, you know, today can be the first day of the rest of your life. If something happened and it was not really a positive thing in your thinking, the way your parents raised you or your relationship with your siblings, and now you have a family... You're married and you have children or you may have grandchildren. You can start now to be who God wants you to be and intended for you to be because the fact that you're still living, that you're drawing breath, is God saying he's engaged with you. And he's weighed in with you and for you. And he has a plan even yet for your life. And you can draw a line in the sand. Today is the day of salvation. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Now is the acceptable time, and your past doesn't have to put you in chains or define you. We can let Jesus be the hope of our future and define where we're going. Today is a new chapter. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And so, but by the same token, I'm not going to sort of be sad or apologize or not talk about how great my family was and how great my growing up was because I am a person that has no regrets. That doesn't mean that our parents were perfect or, or that they made no mistakes. But I don't remember those. Those things, don't, they haven't stuck to me or scarred me or wounded me. And it's not because of them. It's because of focus on Jesus. 
He is the great melter of negative impact and the great generator of positive opportunity. Everything in his life and everything in our life with him is an opportunity for God to execute something great in each one of our lives. You know, my parents, they facilitated a great environment of encounter with the Lord, of wonder, of learning. And, and I learned something very distinctive from my parents, really from, from everybody in my family, my siblings, there were four of us. Um, and that is it's summed up in this quote by my dad, Can't never did nothing. Don't say can't. Don't tell me can't. And he would, boy, he was aggressive about that. And I got it. I got it. You can, you can ask the people who know me and who've done stuff around me and, and our, um, our, our guys, don't say can't. Let's do. Yes is the answer. <laughs> Dad was a problem-solving genius. He really was. He was a, uh, a builder, um, contractor. He, every class commercial, industrial, residential uh, construction, and he had us on the job. We had a turnkey company, if you know what that means. That means, really, we didn't hire subcontractors to do very much. We did everything, and so that meant us. You know, we got to do everything from the, the highly skilled jobs to having to clean up the fence and pick up the trash. <laughs> and so um, we did all kind of things. Um, we had a small farm. He taught me how to work hard, how to solve problems, how to build things, how to fix cars, how to drive heavy machinery, because my dad can do anything. And um, that kind of, I don't think I can do anything, but there's a lot of things. I know, a, I know a little bit about a pile of things. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. That's really served me well in my life. That's been the most definitive and useful education that I have received with the things that I gained from my mom and my dad and my siblings and, and our growing up. Um, there were four siblings. I had a brother and two sisters. And uh, my brother's name is Trey. Um, he was a high school athlete. He played football. He played football at Auburn, high school, uh, at Auburn University. He went to Bible school also. He worked at Teen Challenge, um, which is a rehab ministry. Uh, he was a youth pastor. He worked for Jimmy Swaggart Ministries back in the day. And then from there, he moved uh, into working with Arabic-speaking Muslim people. And he's been doing that for almost 30 years. Uh, his ministry is in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, which is in the Detroit metro area. And uh, he, he, uh, he was a bigger-than-life for me, a great hero, and I looked up to him, still do. He's um, nine years older than I am. Um, and then uh, he's the oldest. And then the next oldest is my sister, Kim, who you all know. You may not know that she's my sister, but now you will like me more that you know that she's my sister. Because surely there's some of her redeeming quality in my DNA, although it may be harder to see. Because everybody loves my sister, Kim Swafford. And her family, uh, her and her husband, Dale, and um, her son, Benjamin, and daughter-in-law, Holly, are here. Y'all wave at them. And 
Um, she has a son and daughter-in-law and grandkids that live in, where they live, League City, Houston. And so, but you may not know, she was a cheerleader in high school. She prayed me into the kingdom. Um, uh, she went to Auburn University. She became a missionary. She went, she left Auburn and went straight to Europe uh, as a missionary. She got married. She had a family. And then, and then she became really smart and got a master of divinity. So don't argue the Bible with her. She loves to talk about the Bible, but if you argue, she would just smile at you and tell you how you're wrong, and then you'll just feel so good about that because that's how she is. If it were me, you want to hit me with a hammer if you try to argue with me. Um, <laughs> and uh, she moved here, and I'm so blessed that we get to live on the same property, and she was Mountain Gateway's first administrator, and she was on staff at one chapel part-time, and now she's on staff here uh, full-time and is a great blessing, her and her whole family. Um, my sister Kathy, who is uh, next in age, six years older than me, um, she was in gymnastics growing up, and she went to Auburn University, and then she went to communications school. She became an executive producer at PTL, um, which was a big ministry in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Um, then she left there. Uh, and went back to Auburn University and got her degree in marketing. And, and then she entered a battle with cancer that lasted about 12 years. And she went home to be the Lord in 2003 as a result of that struggle. Um, you know, our, our families really sort of, like I said, establish our identities. And... Uh, being in the ministry for all these years, I don't even, like 20, how many years? 27 years we've been full-time in the ministry, my wife and I and my family. And, and we deal with people that, that really struggle with identity issues. And um, I just want you to hear again, the Lord has amazing, amazing, amazing power to transcend the negatives and accentuate the positives because his path for you is an extraordinary thing. And I just encourage you to engage with him with all your heart. Whatever that means to you. Don't try to make it look like someone else's idea. Just engage with the Lord. And he will astonish you at what he does in your life. Um, there was a move of God that happened when I was a young... Um, when, when I was a kid... That, how many of you have seen or heard about the movie Woodlawn? Raise your hand. Now, that is an, that's an incredible movie. And if you can, you should try to get that movie and watch that movie because they did a great job on that movie, and it's really pretty accurate as to what happened. It's about a move of God that happened in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, the movie's about one particular high school, but there was really a simultaneous outbreak of God that happened on five or six, in five or six high school campuses around the city. And um, my family was involved in one of those high schools. And my brother had an encounter with God driving down the street in his car when he was, I think it was 16 or 17 or something, right, Kim? 
Anyway, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus came in his car. And that, that encounter really turned our family upside down. Um, they got saved, uh, what, in about 1969 or something at an Arthur Blessed crusade. Y'all heard who Arthur Blessed was? He was, he was on his first trip. Arthur Blessed was a man who carried the cross through, I think, every country in the world. And the first country he, he walked across carrying the cross was the United States. And he came through Birmingham and had a crusade. And, and my siblings got born again at that crusade. And um, I remember when that happened because they brought those little orange stickers that had a, that had a peace sign with a cross in the middle of it because Arthur was a hippie that got born again in the Jesus movement. And so it was just kind of one thing after the other. You know, that's back when the church didn't even think people like that could get saved. It's true. And so, you know, there were culture wars inside the church. And, and, um, and so anyway... Um, that caused an amazing, amazing thing to happen. And there was an, uh, so often on the weekends and things like that, m my siblings would invite people and it just spread to other high schools and they would just come to our house, sometimes by the hundreds, and talk about Jesus and worship God. And I'd lay up under the furniture or sometimes maybe not lay under the furniture. I'd run around and kick people in the shins wanting attention and just causing trouble. But I listened to what they had to say. And I remember, I remember those conversations. And that, that set the course of my life. And my parents, you know, my parents put up with, with hundreds of kids laying on the floor, sleeping. And my mother would make... You know, every, she would fill up every sink in our house and every pot in our house with spaghetti. And she fed all those hundreds of kids. And so I was around that. And that really kind of got, set my trajectory. And my brother, he was my hero, like I said. And he was all about Jesus. And so his room was down the hall from mine. And I'd, I'd kind of sneak down there sometimes at night and... Uh, lay down on the floor and stick my ear up against the bottom of the door. And often I would hear him praying and calling out to God for souls and, and struggling and, and with people's issues with God. And that, that I, I've never been able to get over that. And he pointed me in a good direction and I wanted to be like my big brother. And so he talked to everybody about Jesus. And so I beat everybody with the Bible. <laughs> Didn't I, Dusty? <laughs> and so anyway, uh, that set me on a, on a course, on a pathway that the Lord has been very masterful at making, at helping me stay on that course. And I moved into my brother's room and I, I turned on worship music and it hardly ever got turned off. It was playing all the time and I had some amazing encounters with the Lord there. Sitting in my chair late at night, looking out the window. We lived out in the country and there weren't any lights or anything. And, and I could see the stars out my window and the Lord just began to speak to me and to be, began to just interact with me and there were a few times where his presence would be so strong in my room it was scare me so bad I'd get out of my chair and lay down on my face because I thought if I look up I'll see him and if you've ever had anything like that happen you understand and if you haven't you may not understand that that 
how that can be awesome and scary and the most awesome thing that can ever happen to you. Scare you to death and make you want more at the same time. Um, the church that we were in had a... There was an amazing move of God that was going on in that church. It was the kind of thing where we had three-hour services. and I don't mean one year or two years or three years. I mean my whole growing up, really, pretty much until we... Until I graduated from high school. We started going to that church when I was nine years old. And I went there until I was 18. That whole time, that's how it was. And that had a profound impact on me. At times around the altar with the Holy Spirit moving. And, and the work that he did. And the presence of God that was there was an incredible thing. And it was, it was more impetus. It was more push. It was more adding to this furnace that will not go out inside of me. And I will tell you, I would pay money to preach the gospel. Everything, whatever it takes. It is who we are. I was really involved in youth group. And then I graduated. Uh, and, I, and, you know, just like every graduate, you got to decide what you want to do and what you, where you're going and what's happening and, and everything like that. And so... I really struggled through the decision of what to do, where to go to school, or if to go to school. And so uh, it ended up that I could, I, God finally spoke to me and he told me to go, go to Auburn University. And I was so glad. So that proves to me that God lives in Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, yay, that's what I wanted to do. I thought about going to Bible school. People thought I should go to Bible school. You're obviously called. You know, you need to go to Bible school if you're called to preach. And, and um, I only agree with this, that you should only do what the Lord says. So if he says to go to Bible school, go to Bible school. If he says go somewhere else, do whatever he says. Wow, how hard is that? Actually, it's really hard, but it's not complicated. <laughs> he has a way of asking us to do impossible things because he likes to show off. And so if he asks us to do stuff we can do, then that's who's doing it. We are. But if we follow in him, he's going to ask us to do what we can't do. And so anyway, see, I got off the paper. I need to stay on the paper here. <laughs> I'm trying not to preach. And so um, I went to Auburn and uh, I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do there? And you would think, boy, Man, that guy's sharp as a bowling ball. If he don't know he's going to college, he's supposed to go to study. And so anyway, but it... <laughs> I got a sharp mind, really sharp. It's about as sharp as a bowling ball. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what do I study? And he said, I don't care what you study. Study what you want to study. And I went... <laughs> Really? Yes. And so I studied wildlife biology and plant systematics because I, I asked what I wanted to do because that's what he said I could do. And so the only time you should do what you want to do is if God says that you can do what you want to do. Otherwise, doing what you want to do gets you in trouble. And so it's that selfish thing. Man, it's just like infects all of us. Um, but so I went there and then the Lord started speaking to me and giving me real clarity and he set me on the path really specifically in ministry directives that I'm still on today. And as soon as he spoke to me the first plans, two weeks later, I went blind. And so um, I, 
I ended up with a genetic disease called macular dystrophy and I couldn't see out of my left eye and and the sight was going out of my right eye and so we went to, I went to specialists and this and that and they oohed and odd and thought and wanted to make sure that is that really what you have you know you're only 19 years old and people a lot older are the ones who struggle with this and it takes a long time and yada yada and it's true it 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 um, was conclusively decided that I had macular de degeneration, dystrophy. The central vision core of my eye died. And I stayed that way about four month, months, and then Jesus decided to turn the lights back on. He made me some new cells. And you know what? There's really a cool thing about that opportunity is, um, you know, I, 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 will, I will admit to you, they told me that I was going to be blind for the rest of my life and that there was nothing that they could do. And, but there's something that God decided to do. And I'm very thankful for that because I can see all of you today. <laughs> and I threatened the Lord when I was blind. I told the Lord, okay, you want me to preach? I'm going to quit everything and start preaching now. And he said, I better turn that boy's lights back on. If I turn him loose now, it'll be unmitigated chaos everywhere. <laughs> so anyway, um, while I was at Auburn, the second best thing that ever happened to me besides um, meeting Jesus happened to me. Would you please stand up? See this person right here? This is my wife, Audrey. <laughs> we got married, and she still had five quarters of school left when we got married. And we started in the ministry at Auburn together, and we started ministering to students. And she was still a student for part of that. And then we lived there. Um, and we just jumped in lock, stock, and barrel. And our first two children were born uh, when we were at Auburn. Our oldest daughter, Hannah, and our, our second daughter, Aspen. Um, probably some of you know Aspen, curly, redheaded, light, and spark everywhere. And, um, and then um, we saw the Lord do some amazing things. And he really set us on a pathway. And it was there that... Uh, during our, our ministry with students that we were praying with a group of students five days a week at six o'clock in the morning, every morning. Uh, and we were calling out the names of every nation of the world, just praying, praying, praying. And that, you know, I'm telling you what, you got to watch what you pray and how you pray because, man, it'll get you. And so the world really got in me, and then I met this missionary from Mexico, and I, I started taking trips with him, and again, it changed my life. And the Lord began to refine and speak to me. And I, we made the decision, Audrey and I, to, to jump into vocational ministry, full-time ministry, quote-unquote. I really don't like that term, but just for um, clarity's sake, uh, we made that decision, and and I quit working. I was working in my dad's company, uh, building houses and things. And so we, God spoke to us a date. And we drew a line in the sand and the Lord told me, I want you to give up your ability to make money for your family. I want you to trust me and I want you to follow me and do what I say. Yes, Lord. And so we traveled out west and um, uh, Audrey was pregnant with our first child, Hannah. And we went to Yellowstone National Park uh, to spend time together and just seeking God. And I climbed up 
uh, on this mountain in the back country, and the Lord had an encounter with the Lord there, and he spoke to me uh, essentially this, that he wanted me to recruit, train, place, and pastor missionaries. That that is like my lifelong enduring assignment. That's what my ambassadorship would entail until further notice. And as far as I know, it's until I die. And so that uh, scared me to death. I didn't know what to do or how to do or what that meant. And um, I just did the best that I could and started taking steps forward. And so it became apparent to me, in some ways, much to my chagrin, that if I was going to train missionaries, and that's what he wanted me to do, that I had to become one. And because uh, it's hard. <laughs> there's a lot of bummer stuff about it. But there's also, um, there's, it, it also, let me put it this way. Doing what Jesus has for you to do is the hardest and the best thing that can ever happen to you. And regardless of, of what he wants you to do with your time, you know, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a construction worker, if you're a nurse, if you're an accountant, if you're, if you're a barista, if you, whatever you do, that just happens to be your vocation. You are called and set apart as a full-time ambassador for the kingdom of God. It just so happens that with me, he he grabbed the vocation part and kind of put it together. And so um, we walked down that path. And we ended up, we moved to Colorado Springs. We got involved in a big church there where Ross Parsley was the worship leader. And when we first went there, Ross and Amy were not married. And then... The awesome miracle happened, and that's how we got to know each other years ago. And there's others of you here that were there years ago, and, and we have long-term relationships, and God set us on a trajectory, and we were sent out of that church. What we just did this morning with five people, and I'm going to introduce them to you in just a minute. Um, but, man, a bunch of them got together and laid hands on us in the front of that church and sent us out and we moved out of the country and by that time I had three children and Audrey was pregnant with our fourth David, many of you know David our youngest and we went to Paraguay, South America and he was born there and we were there for half a year and then we went to Guatemala and I tried to learn Spanish and didn't work very good and uh, Audrey she got through the whole language school curriculum in eight weeks and me, I got through like half of the first grade in eight weeks. <laughs> and it was really bumpy, me trying to preach in Spanish for the first five years. And I really struggled. And so, and didn't I? She had to write my messages down, and I stood there and read from the paper. And so anyway, we got involved in this church planting pioneer uh, ministry. We worked in that capacity for six years. We, um, we were sent out of that work to start a work from scratch. That means no churches, no national workers, nobody's saved hardly. Everybody around you is going to hell. They all need Jesus. And how is this going to happen? And that scared me bad. 
moved my family there, and you probably know more about the context of that story. That's more about what you know about us. And the Lord started doing awesome things. People started getting saved. People started getting healed. People started getting delivered. We had great victories and some really pretty stinky defeats. And, and um, you know, it's so often when you walk together with people in a long-term relationship, you, you learn definitive things about people by how they uh, handle their injuries. And um, Ross and I, and the, the Parsleys and the Hancocks, we've walked through some kind of, some pretty tough things together. And you know, I love him and I trust him because of his strengths, but I also have a deep-seated, immovable trust in Ross because I trust his scars. And because I know that I know that I know that I know I can't conceive of anything that can happen that will knock him off center from his God following. And that's the kind of relationship and that's the nature of God that, that is the true brotherhood of believers. And I'm very thankful for the Parsleys and what they've meant to our life. Um, yes, go ahead. That's right. Um, because family is such a big deal to us, uh, we decided to make family a, that, that, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know, but you may not, you probably will not know this statistic, but 70% of missionary kids don't follow the faith of their parents. And that was the last thing that we wanted. It was for our kids to kind of be derailed. And the ministry that we were in really modeled for us family ministry and included the kids in so many things. And that really fit right along with, with our family thing. Audrey came from a great um, functional family and they, they love God and just super dynamics there. And so we, have, we had high value, have high value for family and, and upbringing of our kids, but we decided to give our kids ownership in what we were about. And so I really, I don't have an occupation this is not what I do. This is who we are. It is inseparable. And if you talk to my kids, you can ask them next time they're around. They just have it in them. This is who we are. This is my team. Because when we got sent out to go start that pioneer work, we got sent out us six and no more. I mean, we got sent out there by ourselves, and that's a tough thing, right? And so... Um, you know, we've had an amazing, amazing, amazing journey. My eyes been on the ball. I had some encounters with God uh, down in those villages. And every encounter that I've had with him, he's either shown me something or spoken to me about this whole, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And if you all... Have you all ever heard the word theophany? It's a theological term. That means when God breaks into our reality, the, the sheets, the obscurity of our limited dimensions are opened up and you see something. So when God appeared in the Bible or something like that, that's a theophany. When Jesus was transfigured and, and, and Moses and Elijah were there and the other disciples saw them with their eyes, 
Well, I've had a few of those things, and every time I have one of those things, Jesus talks to me about the commission that we have and about the problem of workers. And so I've been, I've been focused and fixated and, 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 and taking every calculated step that I can to respond to that. And so in 2009, we left the ministry that we were with, and we started Mountain Gateway, and it kind of just so happened, sort of coincided with this transition that was happening with the Parsleys, and, and I used to go up there, you know, and cause trouble, and start make everybody mad, and take their time, and Ross and I would sit down and talk, and we just, it's just the what if, and the talks, and the, all these things are like forming, and definitive, and and we had this opportunity to just sort of kind of start running down this road together in a partnership. And that's really why you got to put up with me. <laughs> and so I'll do my best to kill your lukewarmness dead as a hammer. <laughs> you're going to get around me. You're either going to light on fire or you're going to run away. And so, Ross, he can fix it. He can put salve on all the wounds as I cut you and beat you. And he'll pray for you. He's a great pastor. And so that's why we're together. I can beat you up and he can fix you. <laughs> oh, so here we are. So here's what we do. We, we, we want to help people move forward in following Jesus in their calling at home in the United States and anywhere else God may want to send you. And so I'm going to introduce you to these people that we commissioned. We're not going to commission them again. That only needs to happen once. Actually, it's God that commissions us. You know, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. Um, you know about the Great Commission, right? The, um, it's in Matthew 28, going to all the world to make disciples. And then in Acts chapter 13, it, it talks about... Uh, a group of believers being in, in a context together and they were praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, separate for me, unto me, Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. And they, they gathered around, they prayed for them and the Holy Spirit sent them out. And that's what we're doing today. And you all are part of that for this group that I'm going um, to introduce to you. But you know, the Lord has been talking to me for a lot of years about uh, people's turbulence and and not staying to the task. And so he's really built, I think he's put some things in us um, that we're implementing. And so our training, here's what we do. Uh, God sends people to us and we ask them for a five-year commitment to be trained. The first year takes place in the United States. The first 90 days or the first phase... Uh, includes 90 days in the wilderness, in the back country, in the mountains, in the west in this country. And then it's about 120 days of prayer and Bible focus that we move the team around uh, to different anchor churches. We were here during the month of December and we were at some churches in Alabama and North Carolina and Michigan. And then we have about 100 days of practical skills where... Uh, we built a couple of buildings together. We, we took out an engine. We tore an engine all the way down to the block. We put it back together. We different auto mechanics things and di just just multiple 
life skill, technical skill kind of things. And that's, that's what, what this team just finished this year. And now they're about to go off and do language training. And that takes about eight months. And then when they get done with their language training, they're going to be under uh, supervision in church planting work in a village somewhere in one of our works in Nicaragua or Mexico. And then at the end of that five years, they're going to, number one, really know what this decision that they've made means to respond to God, to become whatever it is he wants them to be. They're going to have context for that. And they're going to know. They're going to have counted the cost. And um, I want to introduce you to these people real quick. And if you guys would just real quick run up here when I call your name. Kyle Stanescu. He's from here. You all know him. Is he here? Did he leave? He left. You all know the Stonescu's. Kyle's with us. Marcus Hartwig. Marcus, come right up here real quick. Carlos Suarez. I saw him. There he is taking pictures. Yes. Liz Meadows. And Bailey Hammock. These people have put up with me for a year. And y'all need to pray for them. <laughs> it is a great honor uh, for me to get to work with them. I am so blessed that God has sent them and and one chapel as a as a church is participating and is participating in Mountain Gateway in general, but particularly with these people. And so they're going into hazardous situations, and the Bible says those who hazard their life for the gospel, we are to honor. And so I honor them. And I say to all of you, I bless you, and um, you're awesome. I love you. Go sit down now. So I really want you to know that, um, you know, that, that can sound like a mouthful or be really daunting. And you can say, wow, I could never do that. Or like Pastor Ross said this morning, I hope God never makes me do that. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever heard that old Scott Wesley Brown song, Lord, please don't send me to Africa where the natives are restless at night. You know, you know, we have that idea, but really we need to engage with the Lord. Whatever that means, wherever that is, follow God with all your heart. If you seek him, you will find him. I love you. God bless you. Pastor Ross.